0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. word of God which engages us is the gospel lesson read previously, thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, in which circumstances in life do you feel the most blessed by God? If you are rich, full, meaning the opposite of hungry, happy, and all people are speaking well of you, or if you are poor and weeping and hungry and people are excluding you and associating your name with evil. Well, that was an easy choice, wasn't it? Now let me add another factor, however. Suppose you are a Christian who is... Poor, hungry, weeping, excluded by people, and having people associate your name with evil, or a non-Christian who is rich, full, happy, and everybody is speaking well of him or her. I don't doubt that there are many people in today's society who would conclude that it's the person who is rich is full, is happy, is having everyone speak well of him who is truly blessed by God and not the Christian. There are many people in Bible times who felt the very same way. In fact, the religious experts of the day felt that way as well. Religious experts back in Jesus' day felt that if you were rich, then you really were in tight. With God. And the disciples even fell into that same opinion. Remember their reaction when Jesus made the statement, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were shook to their core and said, Then, then Lord, who can be saved? And the disciples believed that the opposite was also true. Namely, that if you had something really wrong in your life, it must be the result of a troubled relationship that you have with God. Remember the question the disciples asked when they and Jesus happened upon the man who had been born blind? They asked Jesus, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind. Back in Bible times and even today, people seem to want to draw a one-to-one correspondence between their everyday circumstances and their relationship with God. But Jesus, in our Gospel lesson for today, in the so-called Sermon on the Plain, encourages us to look up from our everyday circumstances, and see the big picture, the big picture that includes eternity. And that eternity including two great reversals. One reversal for Christians who are suffering now, and another reversal for unbelievers who are living the happy high life Now, Jesus mentions both of these great reversals in our gospel lesson for today. He begins with four statements that are called Beatitudes. They all begin with the phrase, "...Blessed are you," signaling that God's favor and his grace are upon you, and you are fortunate as a result." He follows those four Beatitudes up with four statements that are called woe statements. They begin with the phrase, woe to you, meaning you are in trouble or you're about to be in trouble. The favor and the grace of God are not abiding with you. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus speaks the Beatitudes to Christians. He speaks the woe statements concerning unbelievers. He speaks the Beatitudes to those who have an eternal perspective on life. He speaks the woe statements to those who are merely living for the here and the now. He speaks the Beatitudes, including a great reversal from bad to good for Christians He speaks the woe statements with a great reversal from good to bad for unbelievers. And so he begins with the first great reversal, the first beatitude. Blessed are you who are poor. Now is Jesus here talking about poor in the sense of a financial poorness? Certainly there could have been. A great deal of poor people there in the crowds that had come from far and wide in order to hear Jesus teach and be healed by him? Or is he talking about a spiritual poorness? In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. If that is what he is referring to Then he's talking about those who are meek, those who are humble, those who are beaten down daily by the attacks of Satan. And then he brings in the great reversal. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. By the grace of God, the rule and the reign of God is in your heart and in your mind, and in your world. Indeed, the great reversal has taken place, and you are a member of the kingdom of God. Not will be, but are a member of the kingdom of God. Next, the second great reversal, and the second beatitude, blessed are you who hunger. Now there we go again. Is Jesus talking about a physical hunger? Indeed, there could have been many hungry people who were there who had come from far and wide to hear him teach and to be cured by him. Or is he talking about a spiritual hunger? Again, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, of course, true righteousness can only be found in one source, in the exclusive source of righteousness, Jesus himself. And he gives us that righteousness as a free gift, as a result of his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, he brings about the great reversal. He says, blessed are you who hunger, for you shall be satisfied. In other words, literally, you shall be filled full, as only he can fill us full. The third great reversal, the third beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are you who weep. And indeed, there is much weeping in this world, is there not? We weep as we stand beside the graveside, of a loved one whom death has taken from us. Even Jesus wept at the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. But in addition to the weeping that results from death, the result of sin, there is weeping that occurs as the direct result of sin in our lives. Weeping as a result of the cruel things that are done to us or to other people. Weeping as a result of the cruel things that are expressed about us or about other people, especially in social media these days, it seems, and the weeping that comes in the lives of others as a result of the actions and the words in our lives. Jesus says, blessed are you who weep, and here comes the great reversal, for you shall laugh. Jesus points us to that day yet to come when he will turn all of our sorrow and all of our weeping into joy and into laughter. And then there is the fourth great reversal, the fourth beatitude, when Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and think of your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, on account of him. Now, I don't know if there are people that actually hate us because we are Christians. I suppose there might be. I don't know if there are people that actually associate our names with evil as a result of our being Christians. I suppose there might be. But you and I certainly know what it is like to be excluded at times, don't we? You and I certainly know what it is like to be disregarded and ignored at times, don't we? And Jesus brings about the great reversal, the greatest in all of these four, when he says, when this occurs to you, rejoice and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus again points us to that big picture and that day. When there will no longer be any weeping or crying or mourning or pain or sorrow or sin or death or Satan, it all will be taken away in the new heaven and the new earth that awaits us. Behold, God says, I am making all things new. What an incredibly great reversal. And of course... This great reversal is possible only because of the ultimate great reversal that took place just outside the city of Jerusalem roughly 2,000 years ago, when the sinless Son of God took all sin and all evil on himself. As Scripture says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us there on the cross of Calvary, the one through whom all life came into existence, hangs his head and dies for you and for me. But as he predicted, on numerous occasions, there was yet another great reversal yet to come. The tomb and death would not be able to hold him. He would rise victorious on the third day, and for 40 more days, he would walk this earth. A clear demonstration to us and to all people before he ascended to heaven that in fact he had conquered sin, death, and the grave. Not only for us, but for all people. And in a wonderful reversal for us. His victory over sin, death, and the grave is given to us as a free gift from God. It's not something that we try to accomplish or achieve in life, and we certainly could not deserve it. But what a wonderful, great reversal that we who were dead in our trespasses and sins have been made alive, eternally alive, in Christ Jesus. Today, Jesus asks us to look up from the ordinary circumstances of our lives and see the big picture And as we do, we see that if we believe we have a lot in this world, but do not have Jesus, we ultimately have nothing. In contrast, if we feel we have very little, but have Jesus, we ultimately have everything. Because in Jesus, we have the great reversal. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.